Alright, so we are live with Timothy McIntosh from Sacred Heart University, men's volleyball. Um, my favorite position, because I was a libero when I played, So, uh, except you are much bigger than I am, and I actually got a message <laughs> from uh, actually one of my training clients, um, one of my uh, former clients, and asked me if it was on Facebook Live today, and she's like, oh, he's huge, man, I've watched him on Instagram, he's awesome. <laughs> so... Um, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself, uh, your background, where you got and you know, how you got involved with volleyball and where it's taken you so far. Awesome. So my name is Tim McIntosh, as he said. Um, I am going into my fifth season at Sacred Heart University. Um, this is my, actually my fifth year, fifth or sixth year playing volleyball together. Um, I started playing at the age of 17 or 18, 17, 18. Um, I started my senior year of high school uh, watching my sister play volleyball. I was drawn to the sport uh, really out of nowhere. And then I got involved in my my club at MVP Volleyball Academy down in Florida. And from there, it was just um, – it was. I feel like my recruiting process was kind of the luck of the draw. I got recruited um, pretty late in, into the recruiting process um, just because I, I got started so late as well. Um, and I got picked up by Alderson Broadus University. Mm-hmm. Um, I played two years there, and then I, I was able to transfer out and make my way to, into Sacred Heart University. It's actually funny you say that because we um, uh, I actually used to play against Alderson Broadus. Oh, really? Yeah. Where did you go to college? Uh, Waynesburg University. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, we, gotcha. we played against them when they started as a club. So that oh, was our, okay. that yeah, was our yeah. far match that we drove to. Um, and then yeah. I think that was their first or second year they were club and then they went division two, division one, mm-hmm. um, right after division that. Two. Yeah. Cause they had, they had all club kids and they were all from yeah. like California and the Midwest. So there was, there was no <laughs> doubt they were going to crush the whole area at the time. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Um, so I was looking, I was looking through your stats and stuff from your time at like your, your current time right now at, um, sacred heart. Um, what was the transition from, I'm guessing, right side, outside? Yeah, so I I got recruited to Alderson Broadus as an outside, and then, like, beginning the co- first couple weeks of me being there, my coach was like, yeah, we're going to move you to Libero. And uh, that wasn't that wasn't really what I wanted to do, but I, I knew that was what my coach needed me to do, so... I just kind of embraced that role, trying to try to get more touches on the ball um, and just try to be the best I could for my team at Alderson Broadus. Okay. I was just curious about that because I was, I, you know, I was looking through um, your, your passing stats and everything. And um, all of a sudden it goes like, it goes one kill, 43 kills, zero. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, like what, what happened? And then um, I, you know, kind of just put everything in line. You're like, all right, well, we probably played six positions and, in and out and um i know that was a big thing for me i played libero same kind of reason um the mm-hmm. kid i was left I'm, I'm a lefty and the kid in front of me left-handed right side who had a you know 40 inch vertical and i went all right well unless i'm hitting better overall and more crafty i'm not gonna surpass him right and the same thing man you know i ended up just taking the role on loving it and you know kind of the same thing you just ball out with what you have exactly so, um but yeah, I mean that's that's one big thing I want to touch on is you said you started so late in your recruiting process, man. You know, seventeen, eighteen to get picked up, 
Um, you know, I've I've was actually just on a call with um, Ashley on Friday, uh, going to one of her first college visits uh, in North Carolina as a junior, and you know, I had the same conversation around here with a lot of kids, and they're like, you know, is it too late? Is it too late? Is it too late? I'm like, no. I mean, exactly. If you want to try and get a really good standing relationship, maybe. But you know, even then, a coach is going to see what they want to see, right? And you know, to all the kids that want to, I think you, that's a perfect testament to all those kids who want to get into the sport, and they're like, "But I'm 17. I'm not. I'm not going to be able to play." And I'm like, "Man, mm-hmm. I've watched. I've watched females jump in at six, at 17. There was one actually." Watched her start at 16 or 17 and then get recruited by Pitt. Mm-hmm. And I think, I'm not sure if she was on full rider or partial, but she got signed by Pitt the very next year. And I'm like, you know, that just speaks to that human being, man. Yeah. So, if you're dedicated enough, if you're willing to put in the work, if you're, if you really want to and you have that drive, it's going to happen for you. Yeah. So speak to kind of what you're, what your transition was like getting into volleyball and then really seeing what the whole community is about when you transition into Alderson Brothers. So starting out with volleyball, you know, I'm from Florida, so the volleyball community for boys isn't very big. So for me to find a club was very, like very difficult. But once I found my, my club, it was just, it was crazy for me because I, I didn't know like there were guys that could play at such a high level of volleyball. Um, you know, I, I watched women's volleyball. I was like, I was like, okay, this is, this is great, but I don't see many men playing the sport. And then I, I started watching the Olympics and getting into the USA volleyball side of things. I was like, wow, like, this is like what I can, what I can be. Um, so once I got into that, it was just, I feel like it was all uphill from there. The, the transition was, it was definitely difficult trying to learn the system of volleyball. You know, I started out playing outside, but then I kind of transitioned into the middle a little bit toward the end of my club career. Um, so it, w- it was just, it was a lot. It took a lot for me to put in like hours of work, honestly. Um, it took a lot, took a lot for me mentally too. It, it was just, did I, want to pursue this is this is this the way that i'm going to get into college is this the way i'm going to pursue my dreams of of being a a professional volleyball player you know and then once i got into always and brought us the volleyball community opened up even more um just seeing how many prominent programs there were in this game oh how good these teams were it just sparked more um What's the word I want to use? Sparked more promise I, I could see in myself and more drive for me to get to that next level and where I wanted to go. Yeah. I think it's like So the, I used all of Brothers as a stepping stone. Yeah. It's that it's that like competitor comes out and it's not even like I want to be really good at this. It's just I want to be good because I want to compete. And exactly. I think that's where you get a lot more I'm not gonna say raw athletes, because that term gets used a lot, but you get yeah. more um, raw competitive, we'll say athletes that are out there right. because they want to win, not because they're like, Oh, I'm the top you know, 10 player in the nation. You know, exactly. it's, it's, you know, I want to go out there and how, how good can we play? You know, how well right. can we run? 
you know, a one tempo offense or a slow or how can we speed it up and slow it down? And um, what did you what did you play? Like what, what what sports were you in before volleyball? So I played soccer. I ran track. I played baseball. I played football and I also played tennis. OK. All right. So that's a, that's a pretty big base. I yeah, know. I was quite the multi-sport athlete. I was, I mean, see, that was the only thing for me. Is I went, I went from baseball to volleyball. That was it. And then I ran track for yeah. my senior year. But it was really, um, I'm not sure what kind of athlete you are when it comes to something like this, but whenever I saw someone doing something, I would literally try and mimic it immediately. And, Most definitely. And that's, yeah. And, and that's what, that's what I try and, I try and convey that to other athletes that trying to coach or ones that come in, they want to get into athletics or even just um, weightlifting is like, you know, when someone's showing you something, mimic it. Let's see, let's see what your problem solving is like. What is your logic? Right. Mm -hmm. And I know, especially when it comes to a high level, I mean, you guys are playing against Penn state this weekend you just played against George Mason. Um, You, and I know we say this on, on this and another podcast that I do, um, that the moment you get to that level, you're all in the same boat and you're all the best of the best. Right. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. And so you, you, you get amped up even more in how you mm-hmm. have to act and, you know, how you have to kind of watch your opponent. Um, what, what is your, let's see, how do I, I want to phrase this correctly. What is your approach to, um, your game film and study for the week of a match? So I will usually start by watching myself the last games, seeing that, seeing how I can do things a little bit better, how I can move better, how I can um, position myself better, and then go forward into practice. I, I'm watching game film of the other team that we're going to be playing against. And our coach will have us run a scout team on the other side of the net that will um, help imitate the team's offense that that'll be run coming the weekend. So we'll get it, get a chance to practice against that. Okay. Um, now what is, cause I know for me when I played, I was, I played out of zone six, which I am not a fan of anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> I love playing out of zone five now. Um, what's your preference now as a libero? What, what is your preference I, for defensive position? I love position five. I can sit there for hours and play defense in five. Now, if the situ- situation arises, I'll move, but five is where I'm at. Yeah. Now, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just one of those things as a defensive player. I think the most gratifying feeling probably is the moment you set up and someone crushes Obviously, I don't know which one's more satisfying. I'd probably say a line shot. Someone crushes a line shot down on right side, and you literally don't have to move, and it just packs straight into your platform, and it goes right where you want it, and you kind of just go, oh, that was easy. And right. you don't realize <laughs> the, the the difficulty of what you've just done. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was big for me. Like I started kind of like how you said. You, know, you started at 17. I was a junior in high school when I started playing. And I didn't really get good until after high school. I mean, mm-hmm. and I've told 
all the kids I've worked with, you know, I was like, I was trash in high school. And they're like, well, what, what, no, there's no way. And I was like, look, I look back and we were in one of the worst divisions, worst sections in all of New York state. I'm like, no, it's not what you think. Um, yeah, we won our conference. We were the only, only class to ever do it, but man, I was trash. And I look back and go, I got good when I turned 18 and 19 and I started playing with former Mm -hmm. college coaches, college athletes. And I was the youngest by like seven years. And so, I mean, I was getting put in the ground. I think that was, that was the funnest part was getting so run over that you're like, okay, if I don't get up, I just need to leave. Exactly. And I think that's the big thing about men's, about men's D1 is, and I'm not taking anything away from D3 because uh, I've, I've coached along, along a couple of guys that played at um, Springfield College mm-hmm. and they have a dominant D3 school, Yeah, which that's the same thing I've heard along with like baseball and stuff. You've got um, D3 programs that could take out some uh, mid-majors on D1 and I don't know, it's something about that atmosphere. I mean, what's the, what's it like in a practice at Sacred Heart? It's very competitive just about every time. Um, something, something that I enjoy is just the, the sheer fire everybody's showing at every practice. Everybody's, um, I don't want to say gunning for, for each other's spots, but, but you know, the competitiveness in the gym, that it, it kind of leads to that. You, know, you go into every practice um, trying to take someone's spot. Um, so it's, it's definitely a very competitive atmosphere and I enjoy that. Everybody's working really hard, trying their best. Now, how did you, um, how did you get into the uh, collegiate national team? Like what was your, what was so, your journey with that? Um, with the collegiate national team, they originally had set up where there would be another tryout, but, um, since there were low registration numbers, I believe they had, uh, go ahead and went ahead and made it a video tryout. So I submitted a uh, match film. I think I submitted a match against NJIT and a couple weeks after, actually it might've been a couple months. It was post COVID and post our season being canceled. I got an email saying that I've been selected to the collegiate national team for the summer. And then they were, they were telling us, okay, Corona provided, we may be training in Anaheim. And if not, then we're not going to be able to. And unfortunately we weren't able to train, but um, USA Volleyball did a, a good job. I thought they provided us with a lot of resources. Um, they had us do a couple of zoom calls with the national team head coach and some of the staff. And then with some of the actual national team players, um, just um, providing us with a lot of information, um, mostly for professional volleyball, um, trying to get us geared up to go overseas for a year and then come back and be reevaluated for the actual national team. Okay. Okay. It's almost like, um, like I've, I've, I've related, and I just started thinking about this. It's almost like, um, in, uh, the EPL and pro soccer where they're almost like they loan out somebody, but it's, I don't know. It's the same, but it's different from from how you're talking about it it's almost like you go out you sign your own pro contract and then you're basically prepping to go and hit the higher stage within your country now what what are your aspirations for for volleyball as far as so i would say um just your career goals well 
so f- as far as collegiate goals, I'm, I've been trying to be an All-American, um, and I'm going to try and repeat uh, first-team All-Conference this season. Um, post-collegiate, I want to I want to make the national team. I want to make an, a roster on any team, honestly, but the Olympic roster is the end goal. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool to be able to re- represent my country on on that stage. Oh, definitely, dude. And then I get to say that I actually talked to you. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I've, uh, I, I, I just find it really cool how you, the last two people, including you, that I've had on here um, have had a, a either a late or an unorthodox introduction into the sport. So mm-hmm. I talked to Jeff Samuels, who's an AVP now, and he said he got into it in college. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, same thing for you, man. You, you're a multi-sport athlete and you jump into it the way you did. And then you jumped and accelerated so hard in a year, year and a half's time. You know, I think it takes a very special person to be able to do that. And it's not always athletically. I think it's a lot more mentally. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure you were in the gym or getting lessons or going for clinics or whatever it was or at home more or less. Um, just hours and hours yeah. and hours with the ball. Yeah. I was also coaching at my sister's club, which also helped a lot, just um, being able to watch the game from that perspective as a coach and then also trying to learn and implement the things that I'm coaching into my own personal game. So mm-hmm. that was definitely a big help as well. And I can definitely say that 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 did it for me too. Um, when I got down here and I was with Coastal, um, I I changed a lot of my game. I mean, I'm 30 now, and I changed how I set. I changed how I swung. Um, I changed my defense. And, you know, I never would have thought that would have happened. But it was just, I don't know, it was just product product of the environment, you know. Mm-hmm. I would, and that's where, that's where, man, I was, I'll be honest, like, I'm, I, I, I get envious when i hear someone's like oh i'm I'm gonna go play overseas at the same time i'm like dang dude you know more props to you you know i sit there and go i get to watch i don't know for for me i i know i'm a coach i just know it i knew i knew i wasn't gonna gonna go play at a higher level than what i was at at the time but it's Mm -hmm. for me is you know getting to pick your brain and getting to watch you know some of the people i have had on here and people i've talked to go play at a higher level is it's a so much more of an educational experience than anything else just like you were saying like coaching for your sister's club is you know you learn you learn in a different way Mm -hmm. so um when when it comes to your like your off season do you play grass or beach or anything i do play a lot of beach volleyball but i still play a lot of indoor um there's a an open gym like maybe five, 10 minutes away from my house. So I'm there just about every session that they have. Um, are you, I think I was going to say, are you, are you open to coaching club? But I mean, there's, that's, that's one of those down the road kind of things. Um, yeah. What would be your, your, your post, post volleyball goals? Hmm. Post volleyball, I'll probably be coaching. I don't know if I'd be able to give up being around the game, to be honest with you. It's just given so much to me. So I, I can't do anything but give back, you know? Yeah. Now, would you, would you take, cause I know if I would have changed a couple things, 
Um, I probably would have gotten into the into the camp circuit really big. Um, and for those that don't know, it's basically you bounce from Division One, Division Two, whatever, camp to camp to camp to camp every week for like two months, and mm-hmm. you more or less just travel the country. Now, would you take that route and then try and get into like a gold medal squared? or get into like triangle or something. Hmm. I'm going to, I think I would try that and get into gold medal squared because gold medal squared is mostly what we coach at my, my home club. Mm-hmm. And then the club that I coach with here. Okay. Right now. Um, Nova volleyball club. Okay. Okay. And I also, yeah. Nova volleyball club. I used to, I know I'm trying to think sacred hearts in Connecticut. Correct. Yeah, I think it was about an hour and a half, two hours tops from where I lived in New York. So, I mean, I knew a couple people who went there. And for me, it was like, I didn't even know that existed until I got out of high school. And so, um, and that's why, like, when I first started talking with you and everything, it was, um, I mean, I had been following you for a little while and watch what you've done, man. You've, you, you bring a lot of energy. And I know, I don't know if it's the position. I don't know if it's just, you know, I want to, I want to play it to who you are, but you know, Mm -hmm. if people aren't following you on Instagram or something like they need to, because there's, there's some kind of just raw positivity, you know, and it's, it's really cool to see that. I mean, it's really cool to see that, that side of athletics that it doesn't just pull, pull, pull. It does give back in such a way. I mean, most definitely. I was looking at a couple, um, like uh, athlete takeovers and, there was one one female athlete that was um, she was in the PA program, and she's like, "Oh, it's extremely hard, but volleyball is my stress reliever." Mm-hmm. You know, and I sit there and go, "My God, man, a PA or a nursing degree or something medical, and you're still playing like that's yeah. that's impressive." Yeah. Um, what's what's your year goal for for Sacred Heart for you guys for uh, at least for, um, for this season? So something that we've been focusing on this entire season was getting better every time we play. Um, this is probably the toughest schedule that we've had for a couple years now. Just we have three ranked teams in our in our conference right now in the top 15. So going up against those guys every 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 other week, it's just been about getting better, um, grinding it out. Um, staying positive, keeping our, our eyes forward because um, once it comes conference tournament play, that's when I think that we will be playing our best volleyball. Um, it may not be now, but that's that's the end goal, to be playing our best volleyball toward the, the conference tournament. Yeah, and you've got roughly two, three weeks left. Um, right. And uh, it's, I mean... <sighs> I know it's really hard to to consistently go through certain things and then keep that positive mindset. And it speaks a right. lot to the, the, the mentality of your team and of you because it, it is still a big, you know, we are at this level for a reason. You know, we're, exactly. we're not here just to play, get paid, get our education paid and then go home. It's you're still there to compete. And I think that's where you find the joy in it. Exactly. You know, you're, you're never really out of it. Right. And that's, that's why I know, I, I know you've seen it in club already. 
where you got these kids that are, you know, especially some of the younger ones, like 14, 13, they're, they're losing and then they kind of just quit. And then it's kind of like, hey, man, you're not out. You're not out. We can play hard, man. You can play hard. If you don't want to lose, you right. don't have to lose. So how do you how do you take those those instances or those bad runs when, when you're going? Like, how, how do you stay focused? You know, so I'm a very goal-oriented person. So my goals are what, what keeps me um, focused on moving forward. But for the younger guys, it's um, knowing that they have the capability of, of beating just about any of the teams we play. I mean, just yesterday we were playing George Mason. We were up about four points, but it came down to some – some execution toward the, the end of the set where we just needed to execute and we just didn't. Um, so I don't know. I just think it, it's definitely our, our, um, our mentality that we're going to keep getting better no matter, no matter what, what, or who we play, you know, what's been, um, what's been the one, if you had to pick like a quote or something to live by, what's been the one thing that you've kind of fallen back on, throughout your time within athletics? So for me personally, as a libero, something that I live by is you don't know unless you go. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm sure you've seen a couple of the clips on Instagram, but um, these balls that are, are being hit off the block or these balls that are being demolished, I'm always going to try and pursue that ball no matter what. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the ball is dead, but other times you don't really know unless – you go for it. So uh, it's, it's the same thing with, with, with a lot of the pros though, too, man, like even like Dustin Watton, Eric Shoji, you know, you mm-hmm. watch them, that ball is, even when they die, the ball's still five feet in front of them, but they're going yeah. to go to test the limit. And it says a lot to just them, not even on their athletic ability, but just to say, all right, well, I got to get one more step. I got to get one more step. Right. And I think that's a big part that's being missed nowadays when watching game mm-hmm. film is we're not watching we're not watching them actually make the play where we're, we're what we should be watching is them trying to make the play and the fact that you see exactly. them sprinting all out right because then you have some of those viral clips like the one uh, one female athlete that what superman dove and you know yeah, I saw one, that just you yesterday know, you know hand one hand slammed the ball back over from what 15 feet out yeah. So it's, I don't, I, I, the, the human body can do some amazing things if you can wrap your head around it. Most definitely. And I think it's really cool. What's, oh man, what's been a big thing for me is watching professionals, like some of the pro players, break down other pro players mm-hmm. and then listening to how they dissect, you know, different techniques that I'm like, oh, I've got a re- I've got, I've got a really good handle on this. And then you look at them break down one little movement and I go, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's, it's wild. I think it was, um, oh man, I want to say Casey Patterson, but it wasn't it. Um, oh, it was a uh, Reed Hall and one other person. They were sitting there dissecting, uh, the outside swing and, um, how a certain arm path will create a certain movement on the ball. And I sit there and go, man, I feel so out of the loop, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things that's really cool where I know I've found certain things and I'm sure you have too, that they're not going to work for everybody, but 
they have shaped the sport in a way and maybe we haven't seen it yet but it's getting around yeah i mean that and the availability of technology like this right here or um you know getting someone to get to like break down your game film and have someone else look at it or get like some kind of consulting or you know talk to college coaches i know it's a lot more strict than it was <laughs> five ten years ago but you know to still to be able to talk to like d2 and d3 college coaches and really get a professional view on things is just wild yeah most definitely so what's been um like when 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 traveling i know i had a favorite place to go play um what's been your favorite like arena to go play in or favorite gym mm. so yesterday we actually played in george mason's main arena their basketball arena where the ncaa championships are going to be held um, so I'd have to say that gym, that was, that was my first like big arena experience besides ball state and NJIT. That was probably my favorite. Mm -hmm. Definitely George Mason. Now, is this, I want to say, is this weekend at Penn state? We are at Penn state okay. and I have yet to play in rec hall. You will love it. So I'm hoping that we get to play there this weekend. I, I've been there, um, got to play at a tournament or got to coach a tournament there. Um, mm -hmm. it, yes, they're, I don't know, their, their campus is just amazing. Yeah. All the facilities they have, man, like they have I think, like six or like five or six sites within the campus that, that, that we were running a tournament on. It was like a mm -hmm. five day, what, four, was happy volley, four or five day tournament. Gotcha. And I mean, I was blown away in general. And for me at the time, I think this was like seven years ago as well. Mm -hmm. Um, got to you know just end up walking by and talking to russ rose for a minute and then i was just <laughs> like hey my my whole year's made i'm good i don't have to do anything else <laughs> yeah um, but yeah man um definitely good luck with that because that'll be a lot of fun um I'm trying to think i actually i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to watch your game against there and saint francis that's another mm -hmm. one um I actually talked to the one coach, the women's assistant coach that's there right now. Um, he played, he actually played at St. Francis. Oh, okay. So um, it's, and that's one of those things, man, just small world. Yeah. So who's been, because uh, I know you're, you're not done with the sport by far. I mean, um, who's been the one person so far that has like kind of blown you away and it's been like your biggest person to meet? Mm. So on the zoom call this summer with the collegiate national team, they brought Eric Shoji on the zoom call and that was by far the <laughs> coolest thing I'd ever experienced. Eric Shoji and Taylor Sander both on the zoom call. Mm. It was absolutely unreal i don't know it, just the knowledge that they brought to us um about professional volleyball and, and about the game in general was just just amazing and that's see that's the that's the one thing i'm trying to bring to this and that's the that's the great thing about it is you can uh, the the things we can do now are so astonishing compared to what you what what would take probably months to set up can get set up in days um, yeah. contacts that would take forever because you had to go through so many channels now it can get eliminated and the sport i think athletics in general can get so streamlined now 
Um, what is, mm, oh, I'm trying to think what, what's going to be the one place you want to travel to with like, now I'm going to say while using volleyball. So if you had a choice to go play pro anywhere in the world, where would you do it? So I've been asked this question before and my answer is still the same. It's definitely going to have to be Italy. I don't, I don't know why Italy, but it's I've heard just the same answer. something about Italy. <laughs> and that's, well, that's where a lot of the top ball is. I think it's either there, that or, too. there or Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you got Matt Anderson is on, you know, Zenit Kazan and um, you've got um, uh, Zaitsev and um, uh, Leon Wilfredo, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think he's in Poland. No, no, he might be in Italy this year. He's on the Polish national know. team. I know that. He is on the Polish national Which team. That, that, that blew my mind whenever that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that was the year that the Cuba kind of just went to shambles, which sucked oh, because definitely. they had a nasty team. Especially yeah. at, you have an 18, and this is another thing, um, a lot of people see, and I'm sure you could speak to this too, just on, on the recruiting side and then playing as an 18-year-old at a D1 level. Um, Wilfredo was the captain at 18, was the captain for Cuba, for their Olympic team. Um, at 18, I think that is such an insurmountable feat to even think of regardless of actually doing it. And I asked, I asked Reed pretty this question about his experience. And I said, when you get to the point of that stage, does the pressure really get higher or are you already used to it and you're just playing? I mean, just off of what you've gone through, how do you feel it's gone for you as you've progressed? Hmm. At this point, I feel like it's just just playing. You're having a good time. You're you're I don't want to say going motions, but you're relying on the things that you've been taught. You're relying on the things that, that you've experienced to help you perform. Yeah. Um I know it's been uh, it, it's been wild to hear a lot of these um have, have a lot of these conversations and you know find all these opinions and everything and I know his his was probably the most eye opening, as I'm sure like Eric and Taylor's was for you um, to find out what it's really like. Because you know I've heard stories of you know talk to college coaches about their experience, but to really hear in detail all that stuff, you know. And Reed Pretty was talking about being I think it was being in Turkey, and you know you're, he's sitting in that in that locker room, and it's it's kind of dark, and you know, and he's like I've got I'm thinking you know. Um, this is, I've got a ball out. This is my last time. And I think to wrap your head around something like that. And then he said, you know, I've become, I haven't become the powerhouse. I've become the glue. And I'm like, that's a huge mental shift. Yeah. Huge mental shift. And then he went into beach. I mean, and you've accomplished the same kind of thing. Like you said, you know, it's it's what my coach wanted. So I did it. And that's a really selfless act. And it's really hard, I think, for a lot of kids nowadays to, to understand that. Um, what have you noticed? Because I haven't, I haven't looked at the roster too, too much. Um, but I just want to see. I want to see what your opinion on this is. Um, I've seen a good bit of it. 
but there's no you've got two oh they're not even really international it's still u.s technically um with some of the guys you've played with have you played with any foreign any uh foreign players i have not actually at alderson brought us i had a teammate from let me see from he was from africa cameroon here's from cameroon um so i played with one foreign player and then I have two teammates now that are from Puerto Rico, but they don't really count as foreign. No. Um, um, but what I've noticed is that there's a very machine-esque mentality. Now, it's they're, they're in there to compete, but they're in there to do their job and be effective. And they don't care. Like They, they, they shut their emotion off, mm-hmm. but they, they, they raise the intensity. Yeah. Could, could you like kind of speak to how you've adapted to that as you've gotten higher? So in my own game or in yeah, just, just experiencing there? Uh, well, in my own in game, both. I feel like, I feel like in my own game, I've, I've kind of gone that same route. I, it's hard. It's hard to say you have to turn your emotion off, but you, you kind of have to be emotionless mm. sort of. You need to, so when things don't go right, you can't let your emotions get in the way because that's only going to make things worse for you. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at the higher levels because when things don't go right, things aren't going to go right and you can't really change it. You, you just have to adapt and move on and, and get to that. Then, you know, you have to have a mental, um, a next ball mentality. Yeah. Um, and in regards to playing with that, I feel like it, it's it's a lot it's a lot more reassuring because you know that your teammates aren't going to, to let what just happened get in the way of our progress moving forward into a match. Yeah. And even talking like on the, on the whole emotional side, I was watching um, what's it, Minnesota and Wisconsin were playing last night. And mm-hmm. at one point, Wisconsin was up 20 to nine on Minnesota. And, you know, these are two top five ranked teams. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, what, what is happening? But at the same time, it's just like you're saying, you don't see, I mean, it, obviously for us, we, you, you can see the, the whole shift in momentum, but their body language doesn't really change. And that's so huge to let go of that emotion and then stay positive and stay, you know, strong posture wise. And if you're not paying attention to the score, I don't think you see that. Right. I think you can feel it on the floor, but I don't think you see it unless you're keeping track of errors and kills. Mm -hmm. And that's been a big thing I've tried to coach is, you know, let's just run our side. Let's not worry about anything else. Let's run our side. And then let's, let's, how, let's see how we feel after that. If we don't feel good, then let's check the score. Let's see if it's working. And then let's see how we adapt to it. Um, With everything you guys have gone through, I mean, with your record and everything, like you're saying, it's been a lot more, you know, execution than anything else. Um, What, what are you doing as libero, like within your huddles, especially, you know, uh, you know, being your, being the defensive leader, um, what are you doing for your team and how are you kind of keeping them involved? So in the huddle, I talk about mostly being disciplined on lock and hitters swinging high, you know, in our league. Now we have a lot of guys that are six, eight, six, seven going up and reaching above 11.5 on their block. Um, 
so just keeping my hitters mentally prepared and mentally aware of, of where they're swinging um, and how high they're swinging to not really avoid the block, but to catch the block and, and try to get a tool, get, get some points on the board for us. Um, and yeah, just keeping them, keeping them positive and keeping them encouraged when things don't go right. I feel like that's, that's our, our main job is as liberos, not only our passing and defense, but also keeping everybody motivated and everybody in the game. Um, as much as possible so we can be positive and stay alert and stay stay ready and stay stay in the match okay because i know that's a that's another big thing for like a lot of the youth athletes too is to learn how to do that and yeah. i love i love not being able or not not uh not having to coach it i love just mm-hmm. kind of just giving the information and just watch them run with it i think it's a lot yeah. it's a lot more freeing Especially, especially as a coach, even on even on you know Division One level, and international level, you know it's kind of it's not something that should have to be coached. At least, maybe not after the first conception of it. But it's something we want to see how you how you grow with it and how much fun you have with it. And right. I think that's huge to watch. And it's always fun. It's always fun to play when you're having fun. Exactly. And that's a huge miss on a lot of people. And that's why. That's why you have someone like Oral Roberts University who's in the Sweet 16 because those guys are just having fun, man. They are competing. You know, when you, you, you knock out an Ohio State and a Virginia, you know, you're sitting there going, oh, my God, this is really this is really happening. But yeah. it's one of those things. Like, my, my bracket is busted to, to like, no end. But <laughs> um, and I know at NCAA you guys can't really do that. So, um, no, we can't. Uh, but it was one of those things. Like I'm pulling for the underdogs, man. Like I want to see. Yeah, them. most definitely. I, I want to see them win, just because you know they get. They don't always get undervalued, but you always love to see a good upset. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's cool about. You know, Division One is. I don't. You have your rankings. You know, you have your Alabamas, your Ohio States, but I still think you can have like um, an Old Dominion or. A Vandy, uh, I guess Vandy's even a little high, but still you have, or like a Belmont Abbey, we'll say, um, that can play with those guys. They can play with those big programs. And now I know with the men's, it's not the big, it's not the the Power Five schools per se. It's more of the, um, you know, the West Coast and the Northeast. But mm-hmm. you have those programs that they get the right people together, and I think that's big for everyone to hear. It's not the skilled. You get the right people together, and you can you can accomplish a lot of things. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you could you know speak to what what the chemistry in the you know flow is like on the floor for you guys. Yeah, it's definitely we're a def a, a cohesive group of guys. Um, I think although we are pretty young moment, we have a lot of freshmen, a lot of inexperience on the court, but. Something I, I value about our team is that we're probably the closest that we've been in, in years. And that's been huge for us when things don't go right. We can always rely on each other to get each other through to the to the next point, you know? Um, yeah. And I know there's always a big there's always a big focus on winning, but there's I think there's still a bigger focus on growth. And I mean yeah. I think that's that's what's kept you going from what we're talking about so far is, you know, it's, it's about being 1% better every day because then if you, if you, 
if you just do the math, if you go one percent better every single day, you end up with like a thirty. You think it's like thirty-seven point seven percent improvement on the year. And mm-hmm. if no one thinks that's huge, then they're delusional. I mean, to have a thirty. I mean, I'm sure anybody, any volleyball player in the world, if you can get a thirty-seven percent increase in your vertical, you you're gonna take it. Yeah. I mean, you got like a Matt Anderson takes a 37% increase and then he starts touching 13 and a half feet. No one's blocking him. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things, but who, who would be, so I'll throw a scenario out to you. All right. You're, you're going to play pro, um, but you have to treat it almost like a, a division one style power five where you have, um, you might sit for two years, play behind somebody, and then you play you know, two to three years, and then you start playing. Who do you pick as a mentor? I'm going to go with Nair Grabenikov. Okay. He digs everything. Digs everything, passes. I definitely pick him as my number one mentor. Okay. Um, and that's, that's another thing is I know a lot of people are not going to know who that is. Um, but it, it, it speaks to the research and the following of the sport. I mean, it's yeah. going to be the same thing as someone talks about soccer and we're not going to know who the, who the sub is or who someone in maybe the top of, um, Bundesliga is the German league, but you know, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest, my, the one thing I lack, I know personally, is my professional knowledge is not where it should be. But it's one of those things like I'm trying to keep up using like Instagram and, you know, Facebook. But it is one of those things where I sit there and I, would, I always think to myself, I would love to get in front of Eric Shoji or Dustin Watton and yeah. just talk. Nothing else, just talk. Because I've learned so much just from sitting and listening and watching than anything else. And I know that's hard to do a lot of times. I'm not one to sit and be quiet, but (laughs) it is always fun. My other dream when I was a kid, I think it became now more of a, I want to kind of just go see, is to practice with, or with on the level of the national team. Most definitely. That was huge. I mean, You'll get there. I, you know, that that'll happen for you if you're you're already on the radar for the collegiate national team. It's just gonna be about training at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I want to get to a point where I run in a circle with certain people, and that's really yeah. for me. Is I want to get to that prestige. It's not about the money. Mm-hmm. I want to get to that level because then I'm gonna learn things that I'm not gonna learn anywhere else. Right, And I think that's kind of everyone's dream when it comes to athletics. I mean, you you love the idea of being able to live off of what you're doing. And you love the idea of a really good paycheck. But I've always found that the most I've ever learned and the most fun I've ever had is off of free work. And I would love just to volunteer as an assistant for an assistant and watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I'll go run and get your coffee. Yeah, sure. I don't care. I'll go. You need paper? I'll go down and get you paper. What you need? You need right. pens? I got 10 pens. 
Like I'll just come in strapped, ready to go. <laughs> and I know same thing, you know, if you got the opportunity to go in with the, you know, men's national Olympic team that you're going to take it. Like every, you drop everything and go. Like, I don't care NCAA violation or not. It's like, all right, Hey guys, I'm <laughs> sorry. I love all of you. I gotta leave. Yeah. But, um, what's been, what's been your biggest driving factor when it comes to, um, pursuing this? Um, like who, who inspired you to really get into this? So I would definitely say my parents, um, just growing up being, being that multi-sport athlete, my parents instilled that I could do whatever I wanted to do, no matter what, as long as I set my mind to it and went after it. Um, so definitely, definitely my parents, um, just instilling that in me. And, and then once I got to the level I'm at, just continuing to help me um, get, just to continue to help me working hard, keeping me accountable. So what's been, um, I've got a couple more for you. Um, what's been your favorite highlight so far of your playing career? My favorite, so it's, it's kind of intertwined with each other. It just the last season was my, was that I thought my highlight, um, getting selected, um, to the collegiate national team and then being named first team all conference libero. I thought that was huge for me in my playing career. I mean, I was too, that tickled me to death. If I could ever get something like that, just to, just to get on that level. I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. It is, it's one of those things like envious about it, but it's a, a proud envious kind of thing. Like, dude, I wish I had that talent at your age. I wish I had that talent but it's so cool to see other people succeed and hit those goals. And that's where I changed my mindset after I got out of college because I never thought of things that way. And that was a mm -hmm. big growing moment was once I got out of college and I realized, hey, my playing days are over. And I knew it was, yeah. but it was really, I'm not going to get out of the sport. I'm still going to play here and there, but it's going to be, you know, just like I said, Get into coaching, man. You st you stay in the sport, but I love seeing other people and other athletes. Whether I coach them in club or not, if I work with them, I somehow have helped them. I love seeing them, you know, succeed. Because right. I mean, I run my own club, and I've told athletes, I don't care if you play for me or not. If you want me to help you, I'll help you. And I mean, that's the kind of same thing for you, man. You you end up you you have the coaches that that you go to in the off season that help you. You have the specialists that you go to to help you train and it's about putting your best foot forward and what's going to set you up. And it's not about, um, you know, trying to please people. Right. And I think that's huge for a lot of people because they want to stay loyal to certain things, but it's about, you know, if, if I'm not the best fit, like if I'm working with you and there's something I'm missing and I know that someone else can do a better job if if I can't figure it out, it's time for me to say, "Hey, I've got someone that can help you pass where I'm. I feel like I'm already passed with you," and that speaks to the integrity of who you're working with. Right. So, um, got two more questions for you. One is going to be a little bit more on the coaching side. So, 
Um, I haven't, haven't asked this question in a while, and um, I've tried to get a lot of the athletes to answer it. Um, so uh, if you've ever played FIFA, then some of these will, will, will make sense. Um, so we've got four positions, and then you have four attributes. And then it's your choice on how you want to match the attribute up with the position. So okay. you have your setters, middles, your pen hitters, which are just going to be your outsides and right sides. And then you have your libero slash DS. Okay. Um, so your attributes are your engine, your hard worker, your endurance, um, longer work, work ethic, your maestro, which is going to be your ball control. And marksman, it's going to be your hitting, your reaction time, and the backbone of the team, a little bit more court awareness and footwork. So I can repeat mm. those for you if you need me to. Yes, I do. Okay. So your setters, middles, pin hitters, and liberos. All right. Your attributes, engine, your hard worker, endurance, your maestro, your advanced ball control. Marksman is going to be your hitting, your reaction time. And the backbone is going to be more of the court awareness, kind of the higher IQ. Hmm. So each position gets one attribute. Yes. Okay. So my engine, that's the hard worker and the, and one more, I forgot the other one, but uh, I have to say my engine, I think I would go with my engine for my libero. Okay. My libero would have to be the hardest worker, I think. Um, my maestro, I'd have to say my setter, because at least with with my in my experience, I feel like the setter needs to have the most ball control. Um, and then the IQ, I think it would have to go to the pin hitters. And then you've got um, your marksman, which is going to be your hitting and reaction. Yeah, definitely my middles. Okay. So, same thing. I love it. I've gotten a different answer every time, which is awesome. Um, it's just cool. I've seen I've seen the engine go to the middle, the marksman go to the pin hitter, backbone go to the setter. Um, I've seen it moved around a lot, which just so cool just to see the different um, coaching styles. Mm-hmm. And um, last question, which is just going to be uh, – what's been the piece of advice that you would give, or I would say the best quote that you've gotten and piece of advice that you would give to athletes that are, you know, maybe they're starting late or they want to pursue the same kind of road and career and goals that you have. So most definitely something that I was told and that's sticking with me is work hard and it'll happen for you. No matter how late you start, no matter where you start, um, if you don't think you'll be able to to do it, as long as you work hard and keep your mind geared toward the goal that you want to accomplish, it'll happen for you. Okay. So for all those listening, um, coming from the man I'm talking with right now to start as a junior, senior, to go to collegiate national team, um, it is, I think, it's just about perseverance and being resilient because I've... I've watched it happen. It's cool to hear it happen. It's cool to talk to someone who's been through it. And I mean, because I'm just going to say thank you because I know I've heard a lot of people say volleyball is an unconventional sport when it comes to a lot of things for, for guys. And, you know, I tried to break that stereotype 
and I know all guys are getting into it. You know, they're trying to do the same thing. So it's been just a big thank you across the board on that. And um, for those that are wondering, um, Sacred Heart plays Penn State this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, correct? Um, yes, sir. It's Friday and Saturday, I believe. Unless it says something different on the website, then I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, real quick. Because, um, let's see, it's easy. Of course, it's going to take forever to load. Um, uh, yes, Friday and Saturday. Um, I'm guessing you guys play at night. Probably about Yes, what, most, six, that, most six likely. Probably about six or seven, yeah. Okay. Um, Times are still to be determined. Do you stream them at all? They should be streamed. Uh, okay. Penn State, I believe, does stream the games. Okay. So anybody wanting to watch, um, just go to Sacred Hearts schedule or Penn State men's volleyball schedule. Um, watch my man here, ball out, all right, and stay following him because dude brings lots of energy. Um, and anyone wondering, he's a singer, so you know, give him some love. <laughs> um, trust me, I've been finding a lot of those. Um, <laughs> mad props to you, man, because I'm not one to sing and record myself. So, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do just want to say thank you. Appreciate having you on. And if you can just hang on just after after we end up going live. Um, but thanks for having you know coming on and taking your time because I know we had to reschedule a couple times, and, um, especially with everything happening. But um, yeah. thanks, man. And, uh, you know, good luck with everything. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem.